0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Arthoholics. Got a nice change of host again today. It's me, Aaron, and it's Sunday, the 21st of May, and we are speaking after another defeat, a uh, 1-0 defeat away to Nottingham Forest, and a defeat that sadly means the dream is over. Uh, Man City are Premier League champions again for the fifth time in six years, which is crazy. And to... Joining me to discuss this and everything else that it means is uh, Raj. Raj, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm trying to put lots of mental pressure on you here, right? Because <laughs> y- you have hosted before, obviously, but you've not hosted. I think when when I've been on as well, it's yeah, been when I've not been it.
0: So i have hit just putting all my this minimal pressure on you. <laughs> yeah, let's see how it goes. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's not like anything monumental or significant in terms of the season has happened right like it's just the fact that the dream we've been chasing for nine months is finally over Um, and it it ended in a bit of an anti-climax I mean it was a 1-0 defeat away to Nottingham Forest a 19 minute goal a very interesting team selection a very dull and drab performance so I guess the context here as to why i'm hosting is i unfortunately to, due to various family circumstances didn't watch the game properly i saw bits of it i've seen highlights but raj you you watched the game you sat through the 90 minutes of um end to end exciting action um what, what's your key takeaway like what is your your one headline from the game
1: one headline's a good question i'd probably say we're on the beach,
0: I think. Yeah, I and think. yeah, go on. Yeah, no, you go, think, go for the end. Yeah. Okay, and I think I think the theme of this pod right is going to be: is it okay to be annoyed? Right. Mm, that's a really good theme. Actually,
1: um, I, I, that's cool. Yeah.
0: I think everything we do is going to be like, oh, this is really rubbish. But hang on a second, we're still second. And we're gonna yeah, have to so we maybe we, to we maybe have to park that sometimes, right? Because I
1: agree, I totally. Agree. So we just get that caveat out of the way now. So yeah. should we do like one minute of just caveating, right? Yeah, and how say how wonderful it's been?
0: Yeah, yeah it, it has been wonderful, right? I think yeah, you, know, you and I have both said this, right? This has been like one of the best seasons of going to games, best atmosphere, the some of the best home games I've seen, like amazing away <laughs> performances, away at Chelsea, away at Spurs, away at Villa. You know how we started at Anfield. Um, we will finish on a you know some of the highest the highest points total we've finished in a long, long time, and far more than we've anticipated. But we've lost to Nottingham Forest away from home, and we've lost to Brighton at home, and that's two games in a row we've gone without scoring. Um, let, let's let's kind of get right down to it, Roger. Is it good enough? Yeah.
1: You know what? It's over the course of the season. Like absolutely right. It it, it is good enough because it's it's really hard. It's football works in a really weird way, right? It's not like you. It's not like a loss at the beginning of the season is worth any more or less than a loss later on in the season. How you accumulate your points is is almost irrelevant. You get what you get in the end. Um, and so I think a lot of focus has been made recently on the fact that people are saying, well, second's great and everything, but you know, to 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 capitulate like we did over the last number of games is totally unacceptable. And I kind of I kind of understand that to a certain extent, but you, you seasons don't work like that. You you almost accumulate points at certain point at certain periods because there's going to be periods where you know you might not be very good. And so, where it happens is, you know, it, it can can be you know, sporadic. It, it can happen for lots of reasons. So, look overall, I think, um, I think it is acceptable. But I think it's just really hard to take. And when you look at some of it, and I reckon, I reckon in the summer it'll be easier to be philosophical about it. Where I think we just have to accept that. Probably isn't any of the players' fault, really. It's um, probably not even Arteta's fault overall. Probably just that it was a little bit too early for us, and you know, with a little bit more squad building, we would have been closer.
0: So then, can you can you really analyse this game in the context of ninety minutes? Like, how much do you think the performance on the pitch during minute from minute zero to minute ninety? is actually that important in analyzing the result or do you think this was a result that came through as a, as a consequence of the last 36 games and the where we were in the season the result against brighton the six or seven games that came before that and yeah you know, do you think this was a team that looked down and out because I think for me the minute we went down you know, it's 2-0 down to brighton or whatever it was that for me was like this team were done I saw the team give up mentally give up physically the attacking just didn't work the defense looked as as vulnerable as it has done in the last kind of six or seven games and this to me just seemed a continuation of of that right and the bits mm-hmm. I saw of the game and the highlights it looked like it looked like we could have played that game for another three days and and not scored yeah.
1: Yeah. As I think you've got to look at the Brighton game and this game very differently, I think, because Brighton still very much everything was on the line. So the reasons for that defeat, you could probably analyze in a different way. Actually, some of the reasons for this defeat, it kind of links, I think, to the comment that Charles um, has, has made here, which I put on the screen, which is he's saying, help Gooners make it sense. Why is Arteta experimenting with lineup and positions in 37th game of the season? Why still no ESR? So So, I think my answer to your original question around how much you analyze this game, it lies a little bit in what, in some of the stuff that Charles is saying. I don't really think you can analyze this game that much because I do think, as much as Arteta said mathematically it wasn't over, in his mind, I think he knew it was over. And you're very rarely, very, very rarely going to be able to get a situation where you can use Premier League competitive matches to experiment in any way. I think he knows that. And I think, you know, preseason is one thing, but he has a couple of games if you include forest. So forest and the wolves game to try a couple of things that maybe he wasn't. Um, he, he didn't have the bandwidth to try earlier on in the season because of what was riding on it. And so we saw, for example, you know, to, against forest Partey at right back and playing in an inverted right back role. So we, we hadn't done that this season, Ben White, Although he's been kind of, he comes in a little bit. He's not playing the inverted fullback role like Zinchenko had been. And this game, we did it. We basically just did the inverted fullback role from the right hand side with, with Thomas Partey, and we had you know Kibio playing at left back. And and you know y- y- you we wouldn't have done that. I don't think in a in another situation. I don't think we would have done that if there was that much going on. Or if that if there was that much on the line. So in that regard, I think that it's hard to really analyze too much because. Maybe Arteta was being smart. I know we'll, as fans, we might get upset and think that, you know, we, it's still a Premier League game. You shouldn't be experimenting in that way. But I don't know. You know, do maybe you think, we will look back on this. Oh, just to finish up, maybe we'll look back on this. And if we do the same thing again next season and win, maybe we'll look back on it and say, well, he probably, it's good that we worked out those kinks
0: against the Forest game last season. So you, you genuinely think this was a team selection, especially with that Back for and to a certain extent again playing Jorginho in on the base of the midfield was a, a kind of on the beach selection. I don't know, the way I looked into that, I think it was a, a selection out of frustration as to what happened up with Brighton. You know, the fact that Tierney played against Brighton and he, he struggled and I think he then said well I can't play Zinchenko because Zinchenko's injured, I don't trust Tierney so the only person I can then play is Kirill at left back. And then he just shuffles everyone across, and then goes to the emergency right back, which is Thomas Partey. And I think I don't know if that's something that he wanted to see. I mean, obviously he wanted to see it because he he played it, but I don't think that was a. This game doesn't matter. I think this is a. This is my last roll of the dice. Okay. I don't trust anyone else, and he's kind of learning who he likes and who he's given up on. I think yeah. It's, I think to me, it's very clear that. Tierney is done, uh, which is a shame because I think he's a wonderful okay. player. But Arteta, for Arteta, Tierney is done. Um, I think to some extent, Vieira is another player that seems to have disappeared after he came back in the school. I know he came off the bench, but he seems like he might be on his way out. Again, like players like Eddie and Ketia, there's no reason why with Jesus struggling the way he has done, he couldn't have got minutes, but I don't think it, you know, Arteta trusts him. And then, you know, we've spoken about him so many times on this podcast, but Emil Smith, um, another player that Arteta really doesn't seem to want to play. So, yeah, I I don't think it's, this is a, like, I don't think he saw this as a free hit because you look at his post-match press conference, he sounded really annoyed um yeah
1: but let me rephrase what was so when I I don't think it was an on the beach selection although I think he used the opportunity to try something that he's wanted to try I think it was an on the beach performance so I think the players that he put out ultimately still that lineup still should have been good enough to beat Nottingham Forest particularly because offensively it's it's everything that you know it's it's the best possible team that we could have played so I think, on, I think it was that that I think that was a bit on the beach. But you know, your points that you made afterwards, I, I, I really, you know, it's hard to disagree with any of them, really. The Tierney thing, I think I've, I've sort of come to accept before, I think before this game, maybe even before Brighton, I think in my mind, I thought I couldn't see him selling Tierney because Tierney is still a very good, like, pound-for-pound pound fullback, like traditional fullback. He's still quite good like that and there are times where the situation might necessitate that but i think i've come and you you said this a while ago where you said you know you think you said i don't think arteta knows what to do with a traditional fullback i kind of get your point in that maybe i'd spin it as that i don't think arteta wants his plan b to be a traditional fullback i think he just wants it to be a, an alternative of his plan a as in as in a better version of his plan a or if his plan a isn't working with the inverted fullback you bring in someone else who can do the
0: inverted fullback but it's not so, yeah <laughs> yeah is that, know, it's is that not even yeah. a plan b is that exactly is my, exactly exactly this is my frustration with arteta right for all is you know again we caveat this and is that look we know he's had a wonderful season right he's up there with manager of the season for me in terms of how he's taken us from fifth to second place in the space of a season but Should he, when you've got a player like Kieran Tierney on the bench, right, a player who we know, again, last season was literally one of our most valuable players, a player that he, as Arteta, depended on in terms of our defensive structure, the way we play, to completely abandon that and say, actually, I'm only going to make Tierney do this kind of Zinchenko type left back role. And yes, I can get Kieran Tierney to overlap, and I can build a team around Kieran Tierney, but I'm going ref- to effectively refusing to do that because that's not what I want to do. Yeah, is that when when your plan A isn't working? We all see in the plan A, when the plan A works. It works brilliantly, right? But for there are going to be situations in next season where for whatever reason the plan a isn't working because the players on the pitch either physically or tactically aren't able to do it or as we've seen this season due to injuries we just don't have the personnel to make that system work right and is it on the manager to say actually look i can't do what i want to do with this team now um what I'm going to do is actually set the team up that will give us the best chance of winning this game. And that is to get the best out of players like Chiarantini instead. And is so is Arteta saying, look, he can't play a system. So we're just going to play crap. Like, Is that good enough? I don't know if it's good enough. But I think that, I think that
1: he would, Arteta still would have had a longer term view on this. I don't think that, he would have lost sight of the fact that he is trying to take this team somewhere technically, and as much as he has to make short-term concessions every now and again, I think that he still would have had concerns that I think trying to go well, you know, fine, I don't have Zin- I don't have Zinchenko, so I have Tierney and therefore I need to to play the system better, which kind of take which which I, I suppose gets more out of Tierney. I don't think he would have wanted to do that because I think he would have just thought that it was taking too much away from the journey he was trying to go on. I suppose if you look at Pep Guardiola and look at City and he's obviously had every asset at his disposal and he spent so much money on fullbacks I, I don't even think his plan D or E has traditional fullbacks like there there is no I've not seen him once this season play with traditional fullbacks even when he plays people like Kyle Walker um he, and, and he's played him in a back three he's he's not played him I don't recall in a back four where he's played him as a traditional fullback he's just almost got annoyed and said that you know he can't play the inverted role and and, you know struggles with him a bit so anyway I guess my point is I can see Arteta going a similar direction we're saying I think he's probably going to try and think about different um, models and he's probably tried them a couple of times this season and maybe ways in which we've not necessarily been able to pick up on but I don't think that the traditional fullback way is a route that he, he he wants to go down maybe he sees it just impacting too much of everyone else on the team So you call it stubbornness. You could talk, you could, you could say maybe should he have done more um, to figure out alternative plans with some of the players that he had. But you know what, mate? Like I sort of thought about it today. And I say, if let me ask you the question. Yeah. Do you think, and this is going to sound like a segue, but there's a reason to this. Do you think that Erling Haaland made a material difference to Man City this season? Yeah, absolutely. What? Yeah, yeah, no,
0: yeah, 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 right. Yeah, he scored what almost forty goals this season.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Cool. So then, would you say that the reason that Man City beat Arsenal to the title was Erling Haaland?
0: Yeah, I. I mean, the question is, would they have done it without him? I've no, it probably because they're Man City, right? That's hard, but then um, then you'd say he didn't make material difference. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I I see your point, right? In that. Yeah, Yeah. look, I think what, what Pep has done, right? It's really hard, though, to, like, analyze Man City like this because mm. the problem is, right, like, you put Erling Haaland in any other team, you can be like, yeah, like, he's clearly made the difference. The problem is with Man City, if they don't have Erling Haaland, they've got bloody Julian Alvarez who could probably score 25 to 30 goals a season in this Man City team because he's got players like Bernardo Silva, Mahrez, Jack Grealish and De Bruyne around him. Um, and Phil Foden and and everyone else as well. And- I agree,
1: I agree, I agree. Um, where I'm going with it was just about, are we analysing margins here that, that are a bit... Yeah, we can analyse, we can analyse them to death and we can say, should he have done this differently, that differently, that, this, that and the other. But ultimately, we're only analysing it, really, right? Because ultimately, we became unstuck and we didn't win the league. Um, but you almost have to just say, okay, what is it that the other team who beat us did better... And I I wasn't, I'm not trying to make excuses here, but I think it is fair to say that regardless, I think you're totally right in that you cannot, it's not that easy to just simplify it to that degree, but big, but right. Erling Haaland has, has basically established himself as the best striker that the premier league has seen in a given season, right. In terms of his numbers, it's, totally incredible and he has broken the shattered records in how he's done it so you know he'll win player of the year and all the rest of it would Player of the year and young player of the year who knows he might win the Ballon d'Or I, I don't know right but you, you think that if you have that level of player and we I'm gonna say just lost that's there's an argument to say if we just lost the title or not but then is it the case Aaron where should we really be kind of forensically analysing some of our sort of tactical decisions? Because does it not seem a little bit unfair?
0: Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said earlier, right? Which is, I think it's impossible to analyse this game in the context of the team selection in ninety minutes. I think this game is the outcome of the 36 that came before it in the league, which is this, to me, looked like a team that was was you know like done in terms of kind of like how when we've seen it before right when the defense isn't doing what we were doing in the first half of the season the attack had so much in it so much fight so much perseverance to turn it around and say okay if we concede one we're going to go and score two and we have the ability to create chances consistently create danger in the box create pressure and we know that that will lead to shots and ultimately to a goal. But I just think after that Brighton game, especially after that second game, second goal went in, this team were were done. I think the fan base was done, to be honest. I think we were like, okay, we're, we're down and out. And that's, again, you can't ignore the the context of Man City in the background. If this was a normal opponent, you'd be like, actually, um, there's three games left like we're not it's not over but this was after city had won was it nine ten ga- 10 league games in a row it's just that's what city do to you is that when you they put you under so much pressure because you know that they're going to be perfect you know you have to be perfect and we certainly haven't been perfect and there was only so much you know slack left in this team that we could squeeze out and that we could keep pulling on and and we just ran out and, and I think that was very, very evident. And, you know, we've talked about the defence, Raj, but what, what about the attack, right? Because reading around the game, reading from the match reports, it looked like our attack was very, very flat. Why why do you think that is? Is it like, well, look, we had Martinelli was out, um, but we had Trossard come in, right? Trossard, who is a, a relatively big money signing. We have Gabriel Jesus, our our you know one of our biggest signings of all time really in the context of the last 10 years and um Saka one of the best players in the league right so
1: mm.
0: well, why why isn't that working so i've so one easy way of looking at the very
1: easy response is actually that until they scored their goal we actually looked pretty good so in terms of all of our build up play i think either we had figured out what Nottingham forest were going to do structurally and did very well, um, and, and, had a good plan against that. Or if it, or it was just that, you know, Nottingham forest didn't actually figure it out, figure out how to stop us well enough in the sense that we were playing passing patterns in there, around them though, we were, we were knocking it past and we were giving and going. It was, it was very easy to get into dangerous, um, parts of the, of the final third, and it was the final ball that was lacking really. Uh, and then they scored. We're completely against the run of play Odegaard you know misplaces a pass horrifically but it's Odegaard so you know we'll let him off because he's been magnificent um and it's you know that that leads to a goal and then after that they are a they they not in us to look if we win we're safe right so let's just do everything we can to just protect this lead and then y- y- you know you just defend for your lives you just get everyone behind the ball and you defend defend for your lives Um, and then it was harder even though you know with with the best one in the world it was it was just harder to like create chances now we still should do better but in a in a in basic terms that's kind of how i saw it now you you talk about personnel it's really important i think that we we look at this because um we did you're right you just said a bunch of names there and all those names to me, even though Martinelli was out, still for me mean that if you're playing against a team who is just deep blocking, completely deep block, you still should have enough talent there to do something. So then I think we come to bigger, bigger questions, mate. Like where the underlying numbers are, are relatively concerning on a couple of our players. And it's mainly Saka, to be honest. Um, it's, and, and, I, and bear with me because I don't necessarily think it's going to sound like I'm massively criticizing him, but I, but I think there's something bigger to look at here, which is just around squad depth, but he I sort of looked at it from the 1st of April till now, there's been nine games and there's only been one game where he's got a goal or assistant in, in that nine game period. That's a long time. And that, that game that he got a, he got a goal and assist was against Southampton at home so against the worst team in the league he scored a goal and got an assist and in no other game in that nine game period so since the first of april he has not had a goal or assist that you you that cannot happen at this stage of the season for one of your best players if not like the guy that you arguably rely on the most for goal output i don't know you argue that to do that so on one way you can just point to it and you go that's him because actually I know that you know we, we've sort of criticized people like Gabriel Jesus Gabriel Jesus in that same period has five goals and goal stroke assists he's had goal, five goal contributions in nine games and has played far fewer minutes so you know maybe he's had games where he's not been the greatest but still um so I think mate when when it comes to that part of the issue is Saka has evidently look at him he's just been knackered because until that 9 game period the longest he went there was basically a there was basically a 20 game period where the longest in that 20 game period he went without a goal or assist was one game so there's only ever one game it, like that happened a couple of times, but he never went more than one game without a goal or assist, which is what you need at this level, right? If you're going to win a title, basically, if you want to be like a, a match winner, and if you want to be like a top, top, top player, top, top forward, that's what you need. Um And unfortunately, when he wasn't doing that, we came unstuck because there was no one else that could come in and, and do that on that side. Um, So <laughs> in simple terms maybe if if our wide players were sharper like Trossard um yeah like you know he 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 should have done better he had a poor game against Brighton as well but overall actually he's he's had a better spell of contribution over over sort of the last couple of months so yeah mate i think that um part of it was just maybe a bunch of players who had just run out of ideas who were a bit tired a bit on the beach maybe if they had if maybe maybe if they had something that they genuinely believe if they genuinely thought if we won today we're going to win the league maybe that would have pushed them but I just don't think it was enough mate
0: yeah I think that your point on Saka is bang on right we've had no real backup right sided player I can't
1: hear you again but that is probably my um my thing so i now. just take it out so carry on go for it
0: okay well I was gonna say I think your point on Saka is spot on um, that you look at Saka, he's played pretty much every single minute of the league season, the league, the Premier League for us, and he's played England internationals, and he's had a World Cup to play. And I remember there was that there was that international break during March where I think Southgate played him like pretty much ninety minutes in both of those games, or at least the majority of both of those games. And you compare that to. To our opponents, and you look at Haaland, Haaland didn't even go to the World Cup. Um, Haaland, the international break where uh, Norway had uh, some quite crucial games in March, Haaland didn't turn up because he was injured, right? I'm not doubting his injury, but, you know, but while Saka was playing both those games, and it, you know, we have a, we already have a disadvantage when it looks at the squad, right? When it comes to our squad versus Man City, right? Uh, Charles, you know, points out that like, 3,000 minutes for Saka versus lower numbers for Foden, Mahrez and Grealish. Um, And that we need a, a backup wing. And, he, and he's right, right? Because Totally right. Totally right. Not only can City rotate, right? City can rotate their best players to give them less minutes, but then actually their best players aren't playing uh, a World Cup to the late, latter stages. And they're not going away and being run to the ground by a an idiot of an England manager who doesn't know how to rotate his players. Um, so that is super, super frustrating. So let's say, let's say Raj, we get a, another right winger in or Let's, let's take a step back. Right. So mm. you, you clearly point out, right. So we've got now like Trossard, Martinelli, Saka, Jesus. Um, and let's say those four, we're pretty sure, but all four of them will be here next season what what do we need to add to that to be competitive because keep in mind um yes saka was playing every minute of the premier league but he wasn't playing in europe right none of these guys were really playing in europe because we rotated quite heavily in the europa league Um, but these guys are going to have to play champions league as well next season um what what do we need from our attacking unit like what Person, like what positional types, what attacking types do we need to really have a go at both these competitions next year?
1: So uh, my, my answer is sort of connected to what Russ is saying here as well. Russ is saying here, Jesus isn't a number nine. He's constantly dropping into wide positions or midfield. He seems to be allergic to six-yard box. There's some truth in that. The thing is, now, I, I feel like you can't have it both ways. We have a system which quite clearly, Arteta wants to generate output from his wide players, but also is number 10. And also, I think if we get a better number eight, someone like, you know, playing the Xhaka role could even get more goals and assists to it. That only works if you've got a number nine who is going to drop deep and do those things that, that the chaos or whatever, you, you know, Arteta has described it, chaos. Only, you, you, you do need that. Um, so I don't necessarily think, so I think it's fine. I think us going into next season with jesu says our number nine is totally fine. But I think we need an alternative for when it's not working well right and Eddie is not that alternative because he's very similar and it's just he, he's similar he does a lot of things that Jesus does but not quite as well you could say that he's more of a box player in terms of he naturally maybe wants to get in the box ball but he is a pressing forward um he's not a big physical presence he, so it's I think we need a a bigger unit <laughs> a more sort of powerful center forward now the thing is, We're actually, you'd much rather be in this position where you're looking for a player like that as your plan B, than you're looking for a player like that as your plan A, which is what Chelsea, United, Bayern Munich, everyone is looking for a proper number nine centre forward and the market is awful right now. It's awful. They talk about Chelsea buying Flavic for 80 million euros, allegedly, right? it's it's an awful market to go look for that type of profile so in a way we're a bit lucky because we basically don't need a world-class player in that mold we need someone who's going to be the alternative and someone who you know it's just when it's not working properly that can kind of give us that added dimension but i think then you know what is so i think it's important i'd love us to get someone like that um i don't know if they think that Balogun can do it from what i've seen about Balogun. um I've seen you know, very little... I haven't watched France that well and I don't really think that you can judge too much about the French League, to be honest. Um, But I think that, you know, if they think that you can do it, okay, cool, fine, give it a shot. I I don't know. But we definitely need someone who can play on that right-hand side and and not drop off... and not give a material drop-off versus Saka, yeah? I'm not saying we're going to get a Saka equivalent because Saka's arguably one of the best right-wingers in the world right now. So what, are we going to sign a a pound player to rotate with him that's not going to happen but i think we need someone who who can play there and not give us that material drop off and i think there's quite a few players it seems like in europe who who are of that profile. it's a much better place to go find a, a player than it is a you know that that number nine profile that we talked about and musa diaby for example is someone who they talk about at leverkusen as being in, in many ways perfect to that kind of profile so so i think we need those things mate to be honest Uh, And, and the other thing which I've been banging on about is I really think this team would bang with a proper number eight. There's lots of rumors that, um, that part of the reason why, why the Declan Rice talk is so progressed and why we might have a shout versus some of the other clubs. Is actually that Declan Rice doesn't want to be a DM for the rest of his career. He doesn't just want to be this this kind of being shielding the back four and doing this role that he plays for West Ham. When in in reality, he's a lot more complete and he can play in in a more progressed position. So there's an, there's the, you know one of the theories is is that why is it because Arteta is basically saying I'll make you my number eight. You can be my number eight. I don't know. Maybe that's just a theory. Um, but if it is Declan Rice or if it is whoever it else it is. Um, if it's Declan Rice, hopefully, and someone else, and they they do this kind of I don't know they 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 manage that in however way they can I don't know, uh, but I think we need a number eight as well. So I think I hope that's answered your question. I think what we need is uh, a number eight, um, a right sided forward, and I'm hoping that right sided forward can probably play centrally as well. But we do need a different centre centre forward profile. Uh, but that but if that is I know it sounds really bad, but I'm not saying we should sign Veghorst. But someone like an Origi, you know that mould where you know it's just it's just going to give you something different in those situations.
0: Yeah, I think I'd agree. Right? What do you think? Yeah. Um. Wait. Firstly, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um. Look, I think we we definitely need more. Right. So the right sided player is a no brainer for me. Right. You can't rely on Saka to play every minute of every game because he can't do it. He just like, it's physically impossible. No player can maintain the level that Saka has maintained for 38 league games, plus potentially 10, 11 European games next season. Um, Plus all the England games, right? He's probably going to be rocking up like playing 60, 70 games a season, which is insane. And we really need to protect him because he's getting kicked left, right and center in all of these games as well. Um, so look, the right-sided player is a no brainer. I do think we need another type an- I think we just need another quality forward. I don't think necessarily that we need a different type of forward to Gabriel Jesus. I think okay. a player of Gab- like Gabriel Jesus who can who is in the box, who can get in there and yeah, you know, Gabriel Jesus isn't a bad player in the box. You know, he can he can dribble, he can get a shot away. It's just his finishing is sometimes a bit questionable but he's still a very good in the box player so what we need what we need is just another one right the problem is we we can't we bring on Nketiah and he I just don't think he's that good like I I, I know you think he's a worse Gabriel Jesse's so I think he's just a, a not as good footballer all around for this level um so a bit I, I, think,
1: I mean they, okay okay at this level fair when you say at this
0: level what do you mean the, the level that we need, right? Like, when we're pushing okay, Europa fine, League, agree, when agree. we're pushing top four, bringing on Eddie off the bench is probably okay because he doesn't need to score the winner <laughs> every time we come on. Every, every time he comes on, it's okay if he, like, misses a few chances and he we have the time for him to grow. And he might grow into a really good player. Right, I'm not saying he's destined to play non-league football for the rest of his career, but... You know, the level in this team has gone up and I don't think he is at that level, right? Um, and I hope he does well. I hope he goes somewhere and I hope he bangs in plenty of goals and hopefully against Man City when we're ta- we're challenging them. Um and hopefully yeah, on I the way don't... to
1: doing that, we get a nice transfer
0: fee, right? Exactly, right? Like just because Eddie doesn't make an Arsenal doesn't mean we've failed him, right? like as we've discussed before like the level of this team has gone up it means academy players are really going to struggle unless they are Saka levels of special so what we need is to be able to move these players on and you look at players like Iwobi players like Willock these are players who are doing well <laughs> at top well Newcastle certainly maybe not Everton but top top clubs in terms of the football pyramid right um and that's okay they can do that so i think we just need a striker to come in to be like you know the way Liverpool used Firmino in the last year or two to say like look he's gonna he's probably not gonna start every game but he's gonna come on he's gonna do really well we know we can rely on him um I think Arteta just needs a player he can trust and then the other thing that I don't I mean
1: just one I mean what about this guy I mean yeah Don's could this guy play up front for us Don's saying where is Mize i mean is my someone who could play my don, don also, i don't know if that's a comment i don't know if that is that is that a complaint don do, you know are we are we worse that Mize isn't here um
0: i, he's I mean don. Uh, or, he's, he's had enough and already he's like sod this <laughs> is that
1: Mize? is it my is it Mize actually don?
0: um yeah, don, um, don if you're
1: genuine if you're genuinely inquiring Mize is unfortunately for family reasons couldn't make it today but um you know he's sends his can sends his apologies uh sorry, carry okay,
0: on Aaron. Clearly he has many fans. Um so yeah, the one thing I, I haven't seen people mention is um Odegaard. I don't think we've got a backup to Odegaard. I don't think yeah. We've been that's... really lucky this season because Odegaard has basically maintained you know, top two, top three Premier League players of the season level pretty much all seasons, right? And he's stayed fit. well and on that point, I was looking at that actually when I was looking at the
1: the the stats of the other players. So Odegaard has never gone more than three games this season without a goal or an assist. And he's never had any period where it's he were nominal
0: more than game. and yeah. fair play to him. He's really, really upped his level this season and hopefully he can sustain it. And hopefully this isn't an overperformance, but we do run the risk of saying like, he might drop his level for five or six games next season. And then what, what do we do? We're going to bring on Vieira. Like that's not, that's not going to work. Mm. Um, or if he gets injured for five or six games, let's say he has a Saliba-like injury, which he just drops out of the seat team for three months in the end of the season. Like, we'd be screwed, um, completely screwed. And, you know, maybe that's another reason, like 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 you said, adding a number eight there and adding a number eight with goals probably takes away some of that attacking dependency from Odegaard. But in terms of that creativity, there's literally no one in the squad that can do what he can do Jorginho you know probably can find a pass a bit like him but you know isn't anywhere near consistent enough or strong enough to play a number 10 role um so yeah like I do think we need to probably look at another creative player um in there too but I don't I don't think that'll get done this summer
1: i don't i don't see it getting done mate i think that the i think we're just far more likely to try and say fabio Vieira, can you do that and just give him more time uh i i I just don't like you say i just don't see it happening with all the other priorities i don't see happening and you know thinking about it right i suppose if you look at man city if kevin de bruyne isn't there they don't necessarily. Do the same thing. It's not like they slot someone else in to do exactly that. They try and find a different solution. Do you think that's what we need to do? Just basically say we, if Odegaard, someone like Odegaard isn't playing, you don't just play the same system. You play a different system, but you get your players drilled enough and and astute enough and understanding enough to be able to do that. Is that is that the answer?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think look, we the the issue there is that we're going to probably lose Shaka. It seems like in in that kind of attacking third of the pitch as well and Jacko has been responsible for a lot of good play on the other side to odegaard right so you know we are taking out a lot of let's say odegaard gets injured and jack is off you're taking out a lot of creativity that we have to replace mm-hmm. um and it does worry me because i haven't been convinced by Vieira. and hopefully if we do get declan rice over the line i know we're all talking like it's done but you know, my um, kind of pessimism when it comes to this club doing big deals and getting them over the line is that I don't buy it until it's absolutely done and dusted. Um, I really do worry that I think, you know, there's a, a couple of areas where I think we're still very, very vulnerable to one injury and there being a complete huge drop-off in what we can bring on. And I think that number 10 position is one of them. Um Cool. We've, we've kind of gone, we've kind of sidetracked a bit, but the, you know, we've talked about Chessis, we've talked about Saka. Um, I think the other thing is probably that one thing that these last couple of games or this last game and a half has told me is that, yeah, how important Martinelli is. Um, Because like we don't, Trossard can't do what Martinelli does, right? Like Trossard is a very good hold on to the ball make intelligent runs, make intelligent off the ball, like find a pass and find a player in a good position, You know, work hard type of player. But there are very few players in the Premier League that can do what Martinelli does, which is kind of beat their man, run at them, and just scare them and terrify them all game. And again, the bits I saw, again, it's very easy to say this when he's not there, right? But it really felt like, we could have done with a Martinelli type runner on the pitch and not Trossard. So again, do you think that's something we need to add to the team as well? Like, or would you hope that this right wing replacement or backup for Saka can do that as well?
1: Yeah, probably mate. because if you think of it, you, you, we'd have to have quite a lot of luxury to think that. So on on the left-hand side currently, right, we've got Martinelli, we've got Trossard and we've still got and we've got Nelson as well who plays on the left at the moment okay Nelson for whatever reason wasn't fancied uh against Nottingham Forest but let's say Nelson goes because it sounds like he he may go he may not sign a new contract or whatever i, I don't know man i feel like Trossard is a very good alternative to Martinelli because he is that little bit different and i know what you're saying i suppose your argument is well if Martinelli is injured And then you've only got Trossard there and he's your only option on the left, whatever. But it's quite a luxury, I think, to have a third left wing option who can, you know, be, be your, I suppose, alternative to Martinelli in that respect. I'd argue, mate, that the way the forest game was, Trossard would have been in theory more valuable because there was no space to run in behind, right? The way that For- Forrest, it was a deep, it was a deep block, and what Tr- Trossard's really good. He's got great feet, so he's amazing in those tight spaces. So you would have s- assumed that actually Trossard would have been a, a you know a a more potent weapon. Um, but yeah, we, we have missed Martin, a, mate. Again, the stats do show that he 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 had a spell between November and well, this is actually an interesting point, right? He had a spell between November and January that was similar to Saka's where it wasn't just quite happening for him but what's really interesting in that period was we had alternatives as in we 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 basically whether it was nelson or whether it was if if we were just trying something else with with i think at that time well before you know we signed trossard we tried a few other things with um I want to say uh, with, with Smith Rowe, but also with Odegaard and, and Vieira, and just kind of just 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 trying little Yeah, I think
0: Vieira like Vieira got a lot of minutes in a lot of weird positions at that point in time. I remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, w- where if you look at it, you basically look at that period and you see that period, and you see Martinelli coming off a lot, so it was like or, or coming off a lot, or they're not starting or whatever. So it was like we had an al- alternative ideas, but Saka never had that. Saka for that Saka for that this whole period. Just didn't have that alternative and and so was you know burned out. or whatever. I, don't, I know we've already covered that, so don't want to go there. But I, I I guess my point is, I don't see us getting another left-sided player, mate. The only scenario is if we get rid of Smithrow. The only scenario, because you know, they could I don't know again what <laughs> their idea is around Smithrow and where they see him in terms of their kind of squad building, but Otherwise I can't see it, mate. We we did any game that Martinelli isn't involved in, you miss him because he's quality. I think it's just as simple as that. Um but yeah, I think, mate, we still should have had enough to beat Forest.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um just briefly on Smith Row, I know we've spoken about him a lot in the past. If you were uh, gonna put money on him being here next season mm. or on him not being here, which way would you go? I'd put
1: money on him being here actually. I I put money on him being here. I think that, one, I think that there isn't a club out there that would give us perhaps the money that we would like to think that we could generate from a player of his capability. And that's partly because he's had a season where he's barely played. He had an injury before that. I, I don't think that, I think he's worth, it's like one of these things, I think he's worth more to us than he is to anyone else in that respect, right? So I don't think that bit matches up because he is so young i think they will think that you know maybe there is still that player there that we can reignite because if we get at the end of the day if we get him back to what he was like last season that's still that's an am- that's amazing for our squad even if we get him just back to that level forget him getting better from that level which we would like him to do but if we just get him back to that level that would be an asset so i, I don't see him moving on but i am intrigued to know what's going on there
0: yeah, I'm, it is very weird, the situation with Smith-Rowe. It just seems like, for whatever reason, Smith-Rowe has gone from being one of Arteta's trusted players to, like, completely on the outskirts of that inner circle of players he trusts. And I think, I just can't help but feel that Trossard is basically Smith-Rowe, but, but better in, in a lot of things, right? And, like, you, you go back to luxuries, um, can we really afford to essentially have a, a worse Leandro Trossard knocking about in the squad come champions league time? And actually how many minutes will he get and how many minutes will he want? Um, I I do hope he can make it work. And I just hope that maybe this is a case of you give him a really good preseason, completely injury free, and he can find his fitness again and find his momentum and find his, you know, mojo and just figure it out. But,
1: I mean, yeah, Charles is Uncle
0: Unai would want him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, and if Uncle Unai wants to give us £70 million, and because Unai does do weird things in terms of how much we you know. Remember, he wanted to drop like £90 million on Zaha for us. Um, so if he wants to do that, Villa's a very uh, well, good that club, point, what, I think he would do well.
1: Yeah. What, what would you take for him? So in the summer, if, if, if a big came in, what would make you go, Arsenal should take that?
0: anything north of 45 million million, he'd probably take it 50 million um i can't see him going i can't it'll be a very weird thing if a club went and dropped 50 million on him um given the yeah. season he's had and his fitness issues um the thing but, is how much did uh, yeah. did newcastle
1: spend on anthony gordon i think it was around That's 45 similar million around didn't
0: they yeah yeah, yeah. and and i mean like newcastle paid what 35 million for joe willock something mm, um, right, right. so yeah when you put it in in that context young english um maybe he could get that and we're gonna have to make some difficult decisions on players that we really like this summer um cool anyway let's uh let's zoom out a bit um so we lost the game man city have, have won the league um any thoughts on man city Raj? like what what like how how good is this man city team like and how do you, how do you feel that we've pushed them you know till the let's say third last game of their season to win the league because the reality is you look at the table, if it wasn't for us, man City probably would have won the league five six games ago, possibly, or they would have certainly you know been math like close to being mathematically done very you know around that time um what like it's really hard for me to get like admire this man city team because of all the allegations because of the the 150 charges and just the fact that i just find them boring Like they've they've got wonderful players they score wonderful goals they've got an incredible incredible manager but everything they do for me is just completely and utterly soulless because of just the significant advantages they have to do everything right and and there for me like for me it's like well if city don't the fact that city haven't won the champions league in the last two or three years is like you know, a horrendous failure for me like how have they not won the champions league until now um so yeah, they'll probably, and I hope they win the Champions League this season. I hope they win the FA Cup because the only bit of like solace you can squeeze from this is that it will really annoy Man United fans if they if they win the treble. But apart from that, I just, it's really boring. Like I didn't see the trophy lift today. I like, I had some plans. And I'm glad I missed it. I'm not going to make any effort to go and watch another City trophy lift. Um, it doesn't seem like even their fans are that bothered, to be honest. It's just like another win for them um there was a massive there was a massive um pitch invasion um, was there okay
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so you haven't seen so you really haven't seen no, any I of it. haven't oh, seen it, is, any uh, of it yeah yeah oh yeah it was quite interesting um so there was a huge pitch pitch invasion uh to which the upper tier of the man city stadium were booing cuz you know it was just like get off the get off the pitch but it was it was quite significant <laughs> it was quite funny because on twitter you sort of saw people saying oh Clearly, the stewards are basically pulling these people on the pitch to like give the illusion of this pitch <laughs> invasion. Um but it was it was quite a big pitch invasion to be fair, and it, it went on for for ages. Uh but I, man, I'm with you. And I don't know if it sounds like sour grapes. Hey, maybe there's an element of it, but I'm finding it very hard to get into this love-in. Like on the on Sky Sports coverage, it was an absolute love-in of just how amazing this achievement is how amazing uh pep is which is i think pep's amazing but anyway but but nothing they they did so hard at any point when it came anywhere near the the point around charges and anywhere near the point around financial might being a key reason in this it, it was it was veered away and i find it really hard because the arguments are really poor like firstly forget the charges for a second right so push the charges away for a second there's this argument that city make a lot and and some others make where they say if you look at recent years if you look at net spend cities isn't actually that bad compared to other top teams yeah that is expected because when you invest so much money and you create a really good squad. After you've got to the point of creating a really good squad, you always expect your net spend to even out because the players you sell are really good players and they will bring in money. Yeah, like that happens. And and the players that you need to bring in, you don't have to bring in that many more players. Additionally, there are so many players who have got lower release clauses but will come to you because you are that top team. So you are getting a top, top player for a really good price because they've got a clause or whatever, but they're coming to you. It's like a Kanji. Everyone keeps, it's, everyone keeps saying, Oh, but they signed a Kanji for like 16 million. That's like a bargain. That's not, that's not loads of money. Yeah. He's on about 200 K a week yeah. to be a rotational yeah. center back. You got it, He's going there because they're offering him 200 grand a week. So to say that, uh, you know, money, whatever, like, you, you, there's so many reasons why you can't look at it that simplistically, and it, and then that then ties into why these allegations—not even allegations—they're charges. These charges, right, over a hundred, a number of years, 115 charges. Even though those years go up to I think 2017, 18, so it's not for the last kind of few years. It's significant because of, I guess, my first point they spent that period of time was where they built this super team super club whatever and the period since then the net spend and everything's been pretty manageable because they already built the bloody super team right and so everyone keeps dancing around this this notion that it's not that important that that you know pep's done this that magical thing yeah, he's done this magic. I mean, come on, man. Like everyone's sort of talking about, oh, yeah, but Rico Lewis didn't cost much money because he was from the academy and look him trying to do that. Yeah, he already spent like 300 million on fullbacks before he decided to do that. He, You know, he got to make, he he got to, to, to try everything. So I don't, um, this loving is really, I find it really difficult and I don't like how the mainstream media are dancing around it. I can kind of understand why they're dancing around it because they probably feel like, if they say something, are there going to be repercussions on them as individuals? You know, is, is some big high flying lawyer from city going to turn around and go, we can sue them for even suggesting that are they going to do that? I don't know, but it's, it's really, it's really annoying. I find And And it, it maybe there is an element of sour grapes. I probably wouldn't be going on about it this way if we didn't finish second, but, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> just cause I'm going on about it. Just cause I've got sour grapes doesn't mean it's not true.
0: Yeah, I think there are ways of giving this city team praise because they are look, they're a phenomenal team, right? They've got a phenomenal manager, and there have been many, many clubs and managers and you know boardrooms and and like leadership type structures that you give them that same amount of money, they won't be able to do what City did, right? So yes, they have the money, but they have spent it incredibly well mostly and but like you said they've got the luxury of if they do make a mistake right if city had bought 75 million pound nicholas pepe they're not waiting three years for him to come good right they wait a year and they say right he's not working let's put him on the bench and play him in the league cup and we'll go and get another 75 million pound winger right like the and and being able to just like sack off all your expensive failures and get new ones in and replace your squad and renew your squad on a season by season basis is the reason city are able to build up that squad and yes they're doing it right and yes they've got a phenomenal manager who i think is tactically completely changed football and he should be praised for that you can give them all this praise while still saying, yeah, they're the richest club in the world and they should be winning the league every season. They should be winning the champions league every season because no other club has got anywhere near as much as many financial resources to compete. And anytime they even drop a single point, it's a massive, massive failure for me because they should be steamrolling this league season after season. Um, So, so yeah, it, it does annoy me a bit, but let's, let's go back to us briefly. Um, and then I quickly want to talk about the Wolves game and the final home game of the season. Um, look, I think when we started this, we did say that, look, the last seven or eight games, they they haven't been good enough, right? And I think statistically, we started the season, after the first half of the season, we were on a basically 100-point season, like 50, 50 points at the halfway point or something like that. We were saying we could get 100 points. Um, if you look at the last seven or eight games, we're on track and you played that out over the course of the whole season, we would probably get about 60, 65 points, uh, which is, you know, probably not even good enough, uh, for top four. Where, where do you see this arsenal team? Like, is this an arsenal team that is that is a top team that is able to compete with city that did just bottle it at the end of the season, or is this a, a top four team that massively overperformed and then kind of just hit back to the average towards the end?
1: I, I am really optimistic about next season. I don't, um, I don't buy like there was a, there was a comment earlier. I'm going to put it. It's Chris, Christopher Clark with this comment. Um, here we said, it's a very sad feeling this year. It should have been us champions. I hear persons saying next year, next year it's going to get tougher and more harder. Uh, uh, I, I think that this was always going to be a season where we were going to be better than last season, but we were never going to be the finished article. I didn't think we'd be this much better than we were last season. And it's a young squad, a really young, young squad and a young first team you have to assume everything would tell you that even if it was just the same group of players, they will be better next season. <laughs> can city get materially better next season? Maybe, 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 maybe they can in s- some respects. Do I think they will? I don't think they will. I think that, uh, I think they will main- probably maintain their level. I th- I can see them signing maybe a couple more. They'll get another center back, I think they might do some other business. They might do some classic manoeuvres to stop other players, other clubs signing those players like they did with Calvin Phillips. But I I think that we've got a way, I think we've got a lot of room to get better. And I think that with some better squad depth, with a bit more experience, that's going to come from how we navigated this year. I think we could be, sorry, let me, let me pause I don't necessarily think that means that I think that next season we are favorites to win the league far from it, but I think that next season we will, we will be a top four side and we'll put a good champions league one together. And to be honest, I actually think that would be success if next season we finished in the top four again, but did well in the champions league. And it would be great if we won a trophy, even if it's a Carabao cup or whatever, I think that would be success. I don't think it just because we finished second this year, if we don't win the league next year, it's, you know, it's downhill. I think that we have to be realistic. And I think that this, this side is going to have to, the squad, as much as they are going to get better, will also have to figure out how to navigate to major competitions. It's not going to be like this season, man. Like this season when we had Europa, we could play a a mixed team and, you know, whatever. We'll probably still have to rotate this time in the Champions League, but we can't rotate on, we can't basically have an A team and a B team. (laughs) It's going to be a different kettle of fish. Uh, So I'm I'm confident, but I think you need to contextualize that confidence. I don't don't think that we're going to compete for that. I don't think we're going to win the league next season. Put it this
0: way. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the, the interesting part is I think the first half of the season and not even the first half up until March, we have seen what is the, we've seen the ceiling, right? And, the ceiling. We know now that this team are capable. If everything goes right for us, in my opinion, this team are capable of winning the league, um, and we've shown that. Right, the first the first six months of the three four months of the season, you know, we were on track to get hundred points this season. Now, obviously, that was a bit of there was a bit of overperformance there, but we we had the pace, we had the mentality, we showed that we could rock up to these. Big away games and and actually perform right, and the only times we didn't really perform in the big, the biggest of games was City home and away, and that's that's ultimately the difference. Like people can talk about like how we've dropped points uh, against West Ham, against Liverpool, and all those teams, but you can't lose to City twice home and away in the league, and also in the cup, and then say you're a better team than them. You just can't, right? And if we get points against City home and away, it's a very very different league season. Um, But ultimately, I think this regression has shown that A, we just don't have the squad to maintain a 100-point pace all through the season, and B, that actually some of the players we thought could be depended on to get us over the line might not be there yet, right? So because either they've been overplayed, like players like Saka, or actually just that maybe they're not as good as we thought and the one player that comes to my mind is Thomas Partey, who for me was yeah he was the best midfielder in the league for the first four or five months of the season and now he looks like a Sunday league player and now he's been shunted out to right back for uh, an aging Jorginho who struggles with consistency himself so we're going to have to address these problems next season and hopefully with depth we can rotate it means that Saka isn't tired come the end of the season we have another option in Jesus we hopefully don't have to mess about with our defense as much because we can rotate our center backs because we've got more options there and you know still we've said it before but that Saliba Tomiyasu injury really really killed us so so yeah I think I think we can still give any team a run for their money and actually I was thinking about this what we do actually need is I think a two or three horse race probably suits us because like there was when it could last five, two months of the season, there was only one team that had a chance of beating city. And that was us. Right. We knew when city were playing Liverpool, they had no chance. So city were playing Chelsea today, spent 250 million quid, no chance. Um, City played United. They absolutely battered them. Um, And what we need is we probably need a, a Liverpool. We need a man United, we need these teams able to go to City and take points off them, just like so they can take points off us. And maybe that will kind of level the playing field a bit. And actually, in a two-horse race when City are gonna win every single game, what it really takes is for us to maybe drop a few points here and there and for them to beat us home and away and the league's done. Um if we can narrow that gap a bit, that will really help us. But yeah, the the challenge of the question of um what is success for us next season is gonna be really really interesting um maybe we'll save that discussion for another day because we should talk briefly about the the final home game of the season the final game of the season um Wolves at home tickets were once going for uh 20 30 grand apparently um i don't know what the price of them now is but um what are you what are your thoughts and feelings going into that final home game
1: Always like the last game of the season being a home game whatever the case i think I think if the last game of the season is an away game, I think it's very easy for the away team to really be on the beach, right? Um, And I think with Wolves, come on, man, like they've got nothing to play for at all. They're, I I, I just, I can't see anything, but an Arsenal win, I think it'll probably be a pretty low octane game. I mean, who's going to be, who's going to be diving in for those 50-50s? Do you know what I mean? Like, why, why would you why would you do that? But I think I'm quite looking forward to it for the potential of it just being, well, I think we know that it's it's Jack's farewell, right? So basically it sounds like it is his farewell and he's just been such a good player this season and someone who's just had this amazing story arc with us for a number of years, been through a lot, multiple managers, Sort of, I guess he's experienced in some ways a lot of what many of us as fans have experienced. Obviously, he's been living it and part of it, and and um, part of the reason for some of those ups ups and downs. But I'm, I'm quite. I think he deserves a good, a nice goodbye. I also think that the you know this is like Charles has just put this comment in, which I agree with. I think the team just deserve a massive round of applause for the season. Very simply, man. Like they they outdid our expectations. This has been a really sad kind of a, a sort of a really low sort of end period. But at the end of the day, it's still amazing that we finished second and we're in the Champions League. And I can't wait to hear Champions M- League music this year. And I think the next season. I think one of the things our, our fans need to remember is that right. Th- we've been so integral as well as fans to the success this season. The players have called it out. The managers called it out. It and we felt it in the state we felt being a part of some of those key moments those the 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 moment where the players need us we we felt that so we the, the players they're gonna need to also know that we we really do believe in them and I think that that means a lot to them and I think that next season um you know that they need to go in with the confidence that we sort of we we do believe in them um it's um So it's interesting Russ's comment about, I think we'll really struggle next season. He's obviously not feeling any optimism that I've just described, (laughs) but uh, yeah, look, I think so just, just to answer your question properly. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the guys. I hope they give a good performance. I don't expect fireworks. I don't expect, you know, and that's not therefore contingent on whether I'm going to be applauding them or not. Um, I just want to, yeah. Just want to thank them for the season they've given us and and say for, farewell to some of the guys we won't see again
0: because
1: I know, man, holding El like those guys might not see them again.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. I think look, there's two ways of approaching this game. And when you're in the crowd, I think you could sit there and be like, "Oh, what could have been?" And look, it's natural to think that this could have been a really, really special game where we could have been getting ready to lift a Premier League trophy and. Actually, though, when you look at it, we were, as a table will show, probably a little bit far away from that. And we could sit there and think, what if, what if we'd done this? What if we'd done this? But I think, as Arsenal fans, especially in this podcast, we've done loads of that already, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we spent the last hour doing that as well. So I think, I really hope we win because I think this team deserves to go out on a high. Um, and I think this team deserves a huge amount of love for the progress the good times the vibes the potential the the excitement that we'll have in the summer about where we can go next because like if we had just scraped forth yes we've been excited for for champions league next season but we're we're you know we're not going to be having summer conversations about how can we challenge man city for the title If we'd scraped forth it's going to be how are we going to scrape forth again next season? How are we going to compete with Spurs? How are we going to compete with Man United? Oh, Man United are going to be strengthening. Spurs are going to be strengthening. Villa around our, our shoulder. And look, we could be in a season, and maybe Russ is right, maybe we could end up getting dragged into a top-four fight next season. But because of the hard work that this team has put in, especially in the first half of the season, but also just throughout consistently throughout the season, except the last seven or eight games, um, we can dream again, right? We can dream about a title race. We can dream about how can we be the team that finally takes Man City's title back and actually gets them, puts them back a peg or two. And the only reason we can dream, the only reason we can think of like, oh, how do we compete with the as the Harlands, the De Bruyne's of this world is because of the work that's gone in this, this season. Um, I think the players deserve a huge amount of credit for that. And yeah, it'll be a shame to see probably a few players. Like you mentioned those guys earlier, but the likes of Tierney, the likes of Smith Rowe. We might never see them play at the Arsenal again. Um and it would be nice if we knew it beforehand. Obviously, we're not gonna know it beforehand, right? If yeah to, to give them that who was bye-bye. I can't remember who it was last season. Where I can't remember who it was. We were absolutely certain and we said bye bye. But I can't remember who it was that they, they left. And we were like, "Ah, oh, it's a real shame we're not going to see them again. But um, no, look, I hope everyone stays for the lap of honour. Um, I think it'll be a good, good day, good vibes. Um, and, you know, you said you're going to win, Raj. So I'll go to you for your prediction now. What do you think it'll be?
1: Yeah, I think we'll win 2-1. Um, uh, two one, I think. But I think it'll be like a two. I think I think it'll be like a two nil game. We'll go two nil up, and then I think they'll get a consolation goal.
0: Fair. Um, okay. I think I predicted four nil for the for the city game, a four nil Arsenal win. That didn't happen. But I'm going to roll it over and go four nil for this one. Because I think okay. this will be the game that. You know, it all comes right. And again, it'll be really frustrating because we're just going to be like, oh, why can you have done that? 4-0
1: is a classic um, last day of the season. Arsenal, yeah. like, I think I've been to it. I think we've been to a couple in, from memory. I think we've won 4-0 a couple of times on the last day. Was
0: Everton, we, we, I think we scored three or four against Everton last season. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, um, that's really interesting.
1: I just, I mean, I just to finish, Russ is... Um, We're saying if we don't win the last game, I think it will be toxic. I completely disagree. So, just for those who can't hear, uh, who can't read it, Russ is saying if we don't win the last game, I think there'll be a toxic atmosphere. Um, I mean, toxic is you know that's a pretty it's a pretty big word. I mean, toxic. I would describe how Tottenham's last home game last week, uh, sorry, this weekend. uh, You know, apparently when they played the uh, end of season highlights on the big screen, there was booing from from the fans, and that's toxic, right? I don't think so, Russ. I, I genuinely think even if we were to lose, even if we lost, you'd know the only reason why we lose, the only reason why we could lose this weekend is if the players just don't, they're not really 100%, you know, they just don't really, yeah, like they're just not fully focused and whatever. I still don't think that the, there's any chance whatsoever of it being a toxic atmosphere. The worst that it could be is that there's a number of people who who leave before, like kind of the 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 lap of honor or whatever. But I still don't think that will be that many. I think there'll be fundamentally whatever happens, the the majority, if not all, of the stadium will be there clapping the team. We'll see if I'm wrong, but that's that's my prediction. Hey, well, I mean we might not lose, but you know, but, you
0: know. yeah, I absolutely agree. I think. You know, I think maybe, I'm not going to have a have a go at Russ, right, but I think when you are in the ground, and especially if you've got a season ticket, you go regularly, right, you can, it's very hard to describe the uplift and the feeling and how much better it is in the ground this year. And I think this team, with this home crowd, they've banked a lot of credit. And actually, even if we lose, um let's say we lose 3-0 people will be annoyed we saw after the Brighton game people did leave right but I think there's a lot of recognition for just how far we've come and yes it's not some will say we didn't go far enough but um I think there's enough credit in the bank to see us through and I'm, I'm hoping we win because it will just make it easy and uh Charles uh we'll probably close on Charles' inspirational quote and prediction Arsenal smash when aspirations are trash five one wolves that's, Raj. A, that's a tattoo right there that is indeed thank you very much see my next nice um, <laughs> one thank you
1: oh thank you host appreciate
0: it man <laughs> Great Cheers. job. And um, cool we'll see you all next week to review the wolves game and probably do some summer transfer stuff and review the season and everything to come so do stay with us please do like and subscribe and review and tell your friends and your family and your teachers and your enemies, and just tell people, please. And uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, Rog. See ya.
1: Take care. Thanks, guys.